the Enneagram is something that points you to your default drives, your default motivations. So it's made up of these basic fears, these basic desires, our emotional habits, our, our mental habits, and these core beliefs that really drive forward the action that we take in the world. So the Enneagram is something that points you to where you might be off track often. Um, things that might be in what we call blind spots that are stopping you from really living your best life. And for me, living living free, getting, getting some freedom from these default patterns is one of the most amazing things about the system. This is Your Kick-Ass Live podcast, episode number 343 with guest Jessica Dixon. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the show. I am so glad that you are here. So for a while now, I have been tossing around having someone come on to talk about the Enneagram. I have, I know a little bit about it. I've dabbled in it just by taking the test and learning about my own type, but I'm very interested in how this relates to personal development, which I know that we're all here interested in that. So you may have done some research into maybe your astrological sign or Myers-Briggs or any of those kind of like personality tests. I know StrengthsFinder is another really popular one, but today we're talking about the Enneagram and and I am so excited to bring you today's guest. A real quick announcement before we get started that we do have some openings uh, to work with me personally, as well as team members over here at YKAL. So if you are somebody who needs support in terms of your life, life coaching. I also have the shame resilience program that I do, the daring way, as well as general life coaching. And also if you're a life coach and you would like some help, some consulting in your life coaching business, we can help you with that as well. Yourkickasslife.com slash coaching or yourkickasslife.com slash consulting. So for those of you who may not know today's guest, let me tell you a little bit about her. Jessica Denise Dixon is a life empowerment Enneagram coach and Black Mermaid who believes that when Black women heal, the world heals. Her stand is to support women of color heal and live authentically with self-trust, self-safety, and full-bodied freedom. Jessica also believes that our desires call us to our future and supports women to get in touch with their dreams. Jessica finds that we have deeper healing when we combine the inner work of the Enneagram with identity work and supports people who identify as white to explore their bias to create the new future. These things have ripples out into the world. So without further ado, here is Jessica. <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love that you are the very first person that's ever come on this show. I mean, 340 something episodes and I I love the Enneagram, but I've never had anybody on to come and talk about it. So welcome. Oh my God. Oh, no I, I feel very, I feel, I feel very special. <laughs> no pressure. I'm sweating now a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> no, we have no one to compare it to. So you're going to do fantastic. 
Perfect. <laughs> um, I and I just I love your energy too. Like from the minute we started emailing back and forth, I I knew that it was just going to be such a fun conversation as well as an informative. So let me back up before I get way too excited. I would love for you to explain sort of what is the Enneagram for people who may have just kind of heard the word but aren't really sure what it is. Oh, I love this question with everything within me because there are a lot of ideas about what the Enneagram is. Yeah. Is it like <laughs> so a personality all, test? What is right, it? Right. Like, so I will start with what it is not because it is not a test. Um, a lot of people will take a test. There, there are a lot of tests for it, but the Enneagram is a system that has been around much longer than tests. Whereas with other systems, it's like a test was developed concurrently. And so, you know, we have like the Myers-Briggs and you have a, a Myers-Briggs test that has mm-hmm. reliability. This system is uh, a, a system that about our motivations that has been around longer than tests. The first test for it came out around 1991 and the system came to the United States in around the 1970s. So that's one thing that it's not. Although you can take a test, they're about 40% accurate. Um, So when you're taking it, you just want to know that it's a starting point. Mm -hmm. It's not an end point. Another thing that the Enneagram is not is just some basic personality system to tell you who you are. You know, there are systems like that. There's strengths, there's the Myers-Briggs, there's even human design. You know, I, I love systems. I believe systems are so helpful. This system is one that will help you transform. And so it's really important. I mean, knowing your type has, it can be fun, like to to talk to people about at parties and stuff, Mm -hmm. but really it's the application of the system to your life to transform and become a, a, a more authentic you in the world. Um, I didn't know. Like, I love, I love this. I'm like, Oh, cause I, I was like, I thought it was for, and I'm kind of joking. Like I thought it was for, like, I want to use this as an excuse for when I'm an asshole. Like like how people do that with their, with their horoscope. Oh my gosh. Oh. And, and sometimes that happens. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just a reformer. So I get to like be a dick to you. And it's like, ah, I don't know, not the way that works, my friend. So that's, not that's, the way that's in works. your category of like what the Enneagram is not. <laughs> that is, yes. Okay. Another thing that it's not is um, something to get diagnosed as. I've heard people say, you know, like, okay, are you going to diagnose me? You know, tell me my type. You know, there's nothing wrong with the types. They all have positives and negatives. So let's talk then about what the Enneagram actually is. Mm -hmm. The Enneagram is something that points you to your default drives, your default motivations. So it's made up of these basic fears, these basic desires, our emotional habits, our, our mental habits. And these core beliefs that really drive forward the action that we take in the world. So the Enneagram is something that um, points you to where you might be off track often. Um, Things that might be in what we call blind spots that are stopping you from really living your best life. And Mm -hmm. for me, living living free, um, getting, getting some freedom from these default patterns is one of the 
most amazing things about the system. I love this so much because, you know, when I very first started my my life coaching, you know, even before I started like the actual business when I was coaching, like I will fully admit that a lot of it was cloaked in like the toxic positivity that we're seeing where I was just oh, like, yeah. just you, you are your own destiny and think positive thoughts and you can do it and, and all of that. And I, I fairly quickly realized like, okay, this isn't everyone's experience. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's so many nuances and, and, you know, you yes. throw privilege in and all of these things. But I also, I think I'm so drawn to this to the Enneagram because as I've grown as a facilitator and life coach and realizing that not everyone comes at, you know, shame resilience or managing their inner critic or setting boundaries with people from the same place. Like they can, I I do feel like people can always better themselves, but their starting point and their path may look very different. And it sounds like what you're saying is the Enneagram has a lot to do with that. Yeah, the Enneagram, it, you know, it's, it's this symbol that people are like, what is that? Is that religious? Is that, you know, I'm like, nope, nope, not religious. <laughs> well, who, who created it? I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you because I know you had a thought Ooh, there, but. Yeah. Oh, I, this is a great question. So the, there's a little bit of mystery about how exactly the Enneagram was created, but it's, you know, the symbol actually dates back to almost, you know, the earliest symbol that I've heard of dates back 2500 BC, a long, long time ago. This is the symbol has been around. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, a lot of history to it. A lot of the history about how it's, you know, how it's even come to us, you know, it's sometimes a little bit mysterious. It's said to be used by desert fathers and used as a spiritual tool within indigenous communities, um, long ago. So, you know, there's a little bit of like, I, I mean, I, I love the mystery of it and I love the how, even with that mystery that it's applicable to so many people in so many places yeah. throughout the world. Okay. So you, you also like to talk about, well, first of all, I love that you can create an entire business from this. And I've also seen recently that there are therapists that use the Enneagram with their with their clients. So I, I oh, love yeah. this, but so you also like to talk about how it can very much, and this is kind of what we were talking about a- around people's self-awareness and even empathy. So can you say, can you say more about that? Absolutely. So one of the, one of the great gifts of this system is that it points you to um, where you might have what we call blind spots, you know, mm-hmm. the things that you do unintentionally that create a wedge in your relationships where maybe you want to step up as a leader, but you don't recognize the way that you're coming off to people mm-hmm. and it's actually creating more disconnection or it's creating some, a dynamic that people aren't seeing you as the leader that you know yourself to be, or that you, you know, you have, you know, that you have within your potential. So when people start doing their work, you're not just looking at like the bright, shiny things. <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. of people actually mistype because they're, they're thinking of themselves as like the bright, shiny parts of themselves. But the Enneagram really points us to, okay, where, where are your fears driving the car right now? Yeah. Like where are, um, where are these core beliefs that you have to be strong? You, or you can't, or you have to avoid these certain things, actually the thing that's driving you forward. And then when you start to see that, 
you actually have more access to more emotional intelligence, more empathy for under, you know, understanding yourself and then understanding other people. The system actually points to the fact that there are nine distinct types um, that are motivated by different things that have different energetic focus, different emotional focus, different mental focus. And it helps us actually understand, you know, that maybe the conflict that I have with someone has nothing to do with the thing that I think that it does. It's actually just that we're, we're just different, right? It's not like that there's a personal issue with me that that person has. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, their focus of attention is just totally not the same. And so when, when groups, when, when people in relationship, when teams start to do this work, it just, it opens up a whole new world. Because if I can see that a type one who is often called the perfectionist, um, that their focus of attention is the flaws, then I don't take it so personally when I'm corrected. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay, that is their, their, their use. I mean, they might, they might not know how to communicate it. And that might be their work, but they're utilizing one of their superpowers with, with, with the team right now. So I don't have to take things as personally. I can actually see this person has a different focus of attention and it's different than mine. Yeah. I'm like a get it done and let's move on kind of person. They're like a no, let's slow down. Let's look at all the things and make sure that it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine that, and I've, and I've had this in my experience, that once you look at your type and you look at like, the motivations and also the fears that they have, it can feel validating as a human being. Because I think, and I don't, I don't work with men as much as I work with women, but I know for a lot of women, especially the more assertive and dominant, powerful I'm using air quotes over here. Um, oh, types yeah. <laughs> we grow up feeling like we're wrong. You know, like no, you don't. You don't act like that. You need to be more passive. You need to be more quiet. You need to be more compassionate. Um, do you see that a lot in working with clients and when they would like for the first time when they see their type? Yeah. So there's a mix of reactions when people usually find their type. Some feel like it's like a punch in the gut. Um, they're like oh, well, why would anyone want that? There's sometimes a a strong shame reaction. Hmm. Um, And that really does point to like, what has your experience been with you being able to be fully expressed in the world? And so I think it, it points to that question. And I think that's a good question for people to ask, you know, when they do have that reaction. There's also feeling like, oh my God, you're reading my diary and no one is supposed to know about this. Like what, like get out of my, like, Close it up. Yeah. No, no one's supposed to know that this is my experience. So let's not talk about it and let's not think about it. Which is why I think, you know, when people are first getting to know the Enneagram and they're super excited, they want to know everyone else's type, but it can be very, very personal and very, very private. And this very, you know, it can be like a, a very shaking experience when you have this thing that says like, that points you to the way that you've been in the world that maybe you didn't even have the language for, Mm -hmm. but it feels so personal and so, um, private, you know, to a lot of people when they're first really learning. And then for others, there is, there is validating there, there is that valid. So I do want to say that some people are like, Oh my God, this explains everything. Yes. Yeah. And thank God I can finally like live into the person that I'm meant to be. 
Well, I'm curious what your experience was when you got to know your type and read about it and like, what, tell us like what was going on in your life? Were you, what was, yeah. What was your experience like? Yeah. So I found the Enneagram when I was working in higher education, I had recently got a promotion and I was starting to supervise full-time professionals. And I really wanted to give them something that was professional development. That was really special. That was going to really honor them. I was in my mid twenties. A lot of them were in like their sixties and seventies. So I didn't just want like the, like a strengths finder, like something, you know, that's, that's all fine. And I love the strengths finder and like no shade, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) but I wanted something to them that would actually just help lead them forward, you know, and not just like point to the the good things, but also say like, Hey, here's something that can actually um, help strengthen you. Yeah. And so I, I did a Google search. The Googs pointed me to this random PDF and like on the Enneagram, like I didn't know who the author was. It was just like this information. I was like, Whoa, this Uh is, this is great. Um, so then I did a rookie mistake and I took a test and I tested as a two. Now my top two, why was it a rookie mistake? Cause it was just some random website. Well, because tests are, can be so, you know, wrong. They can be so inaccurate. (laughs) I I mean, I don't even remember what the time was probably like, it was just one of those free, t- and there's so many. I've yeah. taken over 20 tests, but I've tested correctly two times. Okay. In my, in my, over the years. Okay. And so, you know, tests, they can just be so inaccurate. So I, I took a test and I, you know, I just did that because that's what you do mm-hmm. <laughs> as one does. And I got two in my top and eight in my second. And I resonated a lot with the two. And, but I realized that the, what I resonated with, with the two had a lot to do with my codependency. I was exhibiting a lot of the low level, unhealthy type two behavior. And when I started doing my work, which I thought my work was type two work primarily. Uh-huh. I started what is the name unravel. of the top two? Cause I know each of them have names that kind oh, of yes. describe what they are. Yes, yes, yes. The type two is the helper, it's the, helper. the mentor, okay. the, the advisor, sometimes the guide, the befriender you know, the, the one who is always at the ready to help, always at the ready to support you and whatever you need to make your dreams come true. (laughs) Hmm. Um, but of course it can devolve into codependency into like, I need to help you. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't even matter if you have authorized me to, but I'm going to help you. Trust me, when, from one codependent to another, I see you. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, that, that, that's me. And so I, of course, was like, oh my gosh, yes, I resonate with this. And so as I started to do that kind of work, it was like, oh, okay, that's, that's actually not me. And I, re- I landed on the type eight. Uh-huh. And that's when the world opened up for me. <laughs> So did you, started, did you do the, the test the, the correct way? And then that's when you landed on eight or is that what happened? No, it actually started as I start, I started to explore those type, those top two types oh, that gotcha. I have. Okay. I'm like, I resonate a lot with both of these. So mm-hmm. like, what's really going on? Um, so I started to do my work around the two and then I was like, well, let me look at this eight. And I started to really look at the, the makeup of the type eight mm-hmm, and the it challenger. was through Yep. The challenger, the protector. I prefer the boss, you know, (laughs) same, Same. the strong one, the powerful Mm -hmm. one. Um, you know, there's a lot of names for each, but that was when it started to just open up a whole new world for me. Okay. And so before I forget to ask, 
where is the best place to take the test? Because I've I've always taken I've taken it three times and I've always taken it. It's like twelve bucks to take it on the Enneagram site. Yeah. So the Enneagram Institute is uh, is the te- I think it's now twelve dollar. Yeah, test that's what that I pay. Take. Mm-hmm. And it's one hundred forty four questions. Yes. Um, back in the day, I had my people take the paper version of that. <laughs> oh gosh, the Scantron. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, I had to just score by hand. Oh gosh! Wow. <laughs> I know. And so that that can be a good test. Also, TrueSelf.io. Okay, can we'll put be those links a in the good, show notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that can be it. That's that's honestly one that I recommend. Um, but, and I think it can be a little bit overwhelming. And I think one of the best ways to find your type is to work with someone to do a typing interview. Mm-hmm. It's an oral, it's this, an oral right? interview. I, oh yeah, I do. Okay, I okay. do this. Yeah. Um, I call them type discovery sessions. Um, so, you know, you go through and really you start looking at what are my habitual patterns and the ways that I've been in the world, you know, throughout my life. And so then you start to look at these habits and how they have contributed to, you know, what is your core type. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way that I, I, lo- I love it too, because then you're, you're really able to be more thoughtful about your habits throughout, as opposed to when you're taking a test, maybe you're in a bad mood, maybe you're in a really great sure, mood, maybe yeah. you're, you know, so many things can impact that. I have loved the Enneagram and thank you for telling us your, your history with it. Cause I also love the details just about how this can help us. Cause we're all here and everyone's listening to this show. Like, how do I be a better person? How do I be a better human? Oh yeah. Both for myself <laughs> and for, for everyone else. And I know for me, when I, I've tested three times and the first two times I tested as an eight, the challenger. Mm-hmm. And when I read about it, I was both gut punched and relieved and validated. Yeah. Because eights <laughs> for women, um, and it didn't really tell me anything I didn't already know. I'm also an Aries as, you know, the horoscope. And mm-hmm. um, it just, it felt like, okay, I'm not broken. Like this was in my DNA. The universe made me this way for a reason. And also it, I was like, I kind of don't want to be this way because the world tells me I'm wrong for, for being this way. And it, and it wasn't until I got older because now I'm 45 and and now Mm -hmm. it is true what they say when you are in your forties, my hope for everyone, if they, if they haven't reached this place yet is like, you give way less fucks about like (laughs) other people's judgments about like how a woman should be. And I, and then I was just emailing you about this. I took it again. It was like earlier this week or last week. And I tied with an eight and a seven and the seven is the enthusiast. And I was, I was joking with, I can't remember if I emailed you or if I was joking with one of my friends and I said, I feel like now I'm just too tired to have all the eight traits. Eights are competitive. We are ambitious, which that has got me to where I am today. Absolutely. But now I'm like, if it's not also very fun, which is part of you know the enthusiast, then, then I'm out. So I just thought it yeah. was funny. And I also read on the Enneagram site, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is that we don't always stick to the same type throughout our entire life. Yeah. The way that we express our type can change. Mm-hmm. You know, I I haven't, I mean, so so my my thoughts, my experience working with people is that people do remain the same core type throughout their life. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens is that life gives us 
as we go through things, as we evolve, as we grow, we have access to more types and more type strategies. Um, so it's not always that I'm use, utilizing my, my type eight stuff to survive. Uh-huh. It's sometimes that I can take on the type two stuff. I can take on the type five stuff. I can take, take on the type nine stuff and it be supportive of me for my growth and for my evolution and my flourishing. Right. And the way that it shows up, the way that the type shows up is going to change depending on, you know, season of life, Mm -hmm. depending on, you know, growth. I mean, there's just so many things that impact it. And so oftentimes we don't have the same expression of the type, depending on the things that we've been through and really what we've healed, because our type really shows up at the base level as a protective mechanism. And so when we realize we don't need to protect ourselves in the same way, mm-hmm. or that maybe, uh, maybe success actually doesn't look like just being strong, like the type eight thinks mm-hmm. that, it, uh, that it will, um, then we start to have access to more of the system. And you know, we don't have to rely so much on our type. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I want to shift gears slightly and, you know, talk about what 2020 has brought us. 2020 is going through a thing and Ooh, right? thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what does the Enneagram have to offer us during this time, both of a global pandemic and really a global reckoning with yeah. systems of oppression? Oh my gosh. I absolutely love this question. I think that um, what I saw what when the when the pandemic first really hit the United States at least mm-hmm. is people really kind of like doubling down on their type <laughs> in some major ways. Uh-huh. And probably um, not the better parts of their type. <laughs> <laughs> usually, usually not. You know, the the type eight, I you know, I saw type eights like, I don't need to wear a mask. What are we locking down for? Like some of the what happens sometimes for the eight is this sense of invincibility, mm-hmm. this sense of like, I'm untouchable, I'm strong, you know, nothing is going to harm me anyway, because I have made myself powerful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's not always the greatest thing. It can be supportive and it can, like I said earlier, drive disconnection with people, with what's going on in the world. Yeah. And so I saw, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that with a lot of people kind of like doubling down on their type, you know, the type sevens that I know, the enthusiasts, they, you know, they, they made even more plans and they had to make sure that their, their calendar was still full, even though, you know, everything was kind of shut down in, in mm-hmm. their lives. Um, so people found ways to still be strong in their, in their type. Now, what I believe is the offer of, of, of at least coronavirus and the slowing down is actually being able to slow down to be able to see ourselves more clearly and to be able to then really choose and create um, a, new, a new world that we're going to live into. One of the things that I work on in, in this business is helping people actually get to, to their desire. You know, what do you really want in life and mm-hmm. what do you want to create? What is the world you want to create? And I, I've just, you know, believed from the kind of the start of coronavirus, even though my whole life was shut down and I didn't enjoy it. And I spent a whole lot of time out with the people. Um, but I saw it as an opportunity for us to create, okay, when we're out of this, what do we want our world to look like? When we're out of this, do we want to still 
um, be living in those same protective mechanisms or what can we do now to, um, to support ourselves so that we're more free to be in the world. And I think with a lot of the, you know, the social issues with, um, you know, Ahmaud Arbery's death, Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd, you know, that has awakened many, many people. And one of the gifts that I believe has come is the opportunity to actually look at how is our identity, you know, our, our sociocultural identities, our race, our gender, um, all, the, all of those things, how do they impact how our type expresses ourselves? And how does our type show up to either um, maintain systems of oppression or to dismantle them? Because mm-hmm. you're either doing one or the other. Right. Right. And if you're not thinking about it, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's likely that you are upholding. It's them. likely that you're upholding the systems. Yeah. Yes. And well, that, that brings me to, I know that you have a, a group program called disrupt where it uses Enneagram work to transform bias. So can you yes. explain how Enneagram works specifically to help people transform bias? Yeah. So disrupt the narrative. It's a total, like a type eight thing. We always want to shake things up. Yes. Um, well, but, I have a, so, I have a business called your kick-ass life. So, I mean, if that doesn't well, scream yes. eight, I don't know what does. <laughs> it's almost funny at this yeah, point. It, yeah, totally. <laughs> anyway, so, disrupt the narrative. Yeah. So disrupt the narrative. It's, it's a three part program. So it's nine months because what I really want people to get is that this is lifelong work. And what we mm-hmm. need to do is we need to slow down. Yeah. We need to know that for systems to change, systems changing comes from us doing our work. It's not that we change the system and then somehow things are going to be better because yes. we're still going to have, if we still hold on to the same bias and try to change the system, we're just going to add bias onto a new system. Just, just covertly. And yes, I, yeah. I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. So, so this program, it, it's nine months. It's slow. It's nervous system work. We have a lot of, but one of the first things we'll do in this program is a self-care plan. Um, one of the things that's a regular part of this program is getting in the body. You know, we're going to really work on emotional intelligence uh-huh. um, and, and build an, an understanding like how we feel and how, our reactivity really impacts how we be in the world, especially around these topics. When oftentimes, you know, people who identify as white, when they're challenged in their identity around privilege or power, there's often reactivity. Mm-hmm. So, it's so is this program, actually, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. This is the one that's for, for people who identify as white, correct? It is. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the so first part, people. Myself yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So the first, so the first part of the program is self-discovery. It is like, who are you? What are your identities? You know, oftentimes, you know, and I've, I've led this work for almost 15 years, people in exploring their identities. Mm-hmm. And often people have not really thought about many of their identities or how, what does that mean in the world that you actually have this identity? So we're going to start, we're going to look at the Enneagram type. We're going to look at identities like your race, your gender. Have you thought about what it looks like to show up in your body in the world mm-hmm. and the impacts that that has on how you even express your type? So we're going to look at that. We're going to start really diving into what are the core, core beliefs, uh, core fears, core desires, often things that 
are unconscious to us in the, in the world. So we're going to look at those also while looking at what are some of the unconscious bias that you may be holding on to, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you don't know, they're kind of just like not, not inside your, your, your perspective. So we're going to bring them out mm-hmm. <laughs> so that when, you know, we're also going to look at, um, the ways that you handle triggers. Okay. Well, I, the and I love that place back you, to nervous system. Like I yeah, am seeing, yeah. you know, I, I had my own kind of awakening in 2016 and, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of going on right now, what I was experiencing in 2016. And that is a nervous system meltdown. It like the motherboard is, is frying. Yep. And then yep. that's where a lot of people just step back and they're like, I'm out. I don't know what to do with all of this. Yes. I love why that you this- start there. Yeah, this is why this is slow work and, mm-hmm. and it's lifelong work. And so nine months is, you know, it's, it's a foundational piece. And the, re- the reason I say it's lifelong is because I will always have this beautiful brown skin. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know that it, since it's lifelong for me, it has to be lifelong for everyone else. Yeah. And it can't just be something that you go through and then, then that you're done. But there has to be an unraveling um, of, your nerv- of your nervous system, an yeah. allowance for, for it to just actually heal for you to express yourself fully, you know, the, even the things that you would never say out loud, but thoughts to go through your head and to be seen and for there to not really be shame. You know, I, I would just believe in full self-expression and, and, and I don't want that expression to harm people of color, which is why this program has been created. Yeah. Because I've, I have found that when white people, people who identify as white often are first doing work around whiteness, which is a a culture that it's created and curated, mm-hmm. um, that they, you know, people of color have known <laughs> that you're white your whole life and it's new to you and we get it and it can be very draining. So I'm creating yes. a space for people to look at that freely, to be able to say whatever it is. And so that they can like, let go of, of what needs to be let go of and actually know how to deal with things in their body how to stay in their body, how to develop the emotional intelligence to move forward. And so that, that first phase, that self-discovery phase, that's really supportive of the second phase, which is where we unpack issues like racism, power, privilege, all of those things. The second phase is the longest phase. And, you know, we start to really look at how have these structures um, impacted the way that we, that we show up. Mm-hmm. you know, and we start to look at, okay, how do we create then a different future? Then that leads us to our third phase, which is the integration phase and commitment phase where everyone will make a commitment. Like a, I pledge yeah. that I am committed to this for a lifetime. And this, as, as people go through this program, the work that they do to unravel these things um, to denounce what they need to denounce, to forgive and heal what they need to forgive and heal, to make right what they need to make right. That is where the work will come from. So I know a lot of people want to really rush into work. And <laughs> really what happens oftentimes with that is saviorism, white saviorism, yeah. and communities of color are harmed. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can't just go in and because you're going to add by default, you will add your bias if you do not transform it. Yes. So we're going to come in, we're going to transform the type. We're going to let go of what needs to be let go. We're going to look and see like, where has my type 
supported this, these systems. And, you know, what now is, is my commitment to the world? Yeah. I love everything. And it sounds like it's been curated and structured incredibly carefully and thoughtfully. And I think that, you know, I love that it's nine months long. I think it's imperative. And also, I just wanted to sort of underscore that last part that you were saying about causing harm because I've done that, you know, and when I had my Mm. own awakening, I jumped from, I think it's Barbara Love that has the, um, I forget what the, the framework is that she calls it, but she talks about, you know, awareness, like just realizing, you know, that we're white and the harm that is caused and the, 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 <laughs> yes. the, the whole system of racism and, oh my gosh. And then her next phase is analysis and then action. Well, I skipped analysis and went straight oh. into action as an eight. <laughs> this is the part where I blame my eight. Oh, for being an asshole. Blame, no, I'm just kidding. But, but it's, you know, it was cloaked in white saviorism. And yeah. as a leader, as someone with a platform, I felt it was my obligation and my responsibility, which isn't untrue, but I Correct. went about it the wrong way. And I freely admit that and, and fairly quickly, probably not quickly enough, but, but took 17 giant steps backwards and said, okay, now is not the time for me to take this massive action and talk about it and and educate. Um, Now is the time for me to listen and learn and do my own dismantling and and, and a lot of the things that you said. And so um, for anyone interested, that link will be in the show notes. I'm not done asking you questions yet though. So (laughs) perfect. (laughs) I'm not done. Um, I want to kind of shift gears and ask you about Enneagram in relationships because Ooh. now that I search for Enneagram, I'm seeing all these Google ads for, and just articles that keep coming up of like, who are you best in a relationship with? And I haven't <laughs> clicked on them. I'm like, I need to talk to Jessica first because <laughs> I'm afraid oh, yeah. it's going to say that my husband and I, I don't even know his type yet though, but oh, so can you talk, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. So I know that there is, when people find their type, they do want to know, oh my gosh, who would be best, my best partner. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost kind of like the party trick thing around, you know, the BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what I, what I would like to say is that there are not, there's not a a, a rule. (laughs) There's not, people try to provide guidelines, but really two people who are moving toward health mm-hmm. in their own ways are going to be able to support um, the full self-expression of the other. To make it work. Yeah. I yeah. was hoping you would say that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It really, because people are like, oh, I need to, I was actually kind of joking with a friend. I was like, I don't know if I would date a five because of this, this, and this. What's the five? And, What's their name? Uh, you know, the, the investigator, the observer. Okay. Yeah. So fives are very much head types. They're very much into details. They can That's be collectors. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, they're also, I, I just, I, there's some things I'm like, okay. You know, the, there's like a, sometimes a rigidity around, um, information and well, this, this rule doesn't apply. Like, you didn't uh-huh. apply this rule like to every single thing. And I'm like, oh, that's a little rigid for me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, like a lot of people probably with Asperger's are, are fives. I'm making a sweeping well, generalization, but that's what it that, sounds like a little bit. That is a sweeping generalization. And, and I someone I, with Asperger's. So yes. <laughs> well, what I, what I would actually guess is that there is a mistyping, that they would probably be most likely to mistype as five because they do have that directness um, and that attention to detail. But it's mm-hmm. not necessarily um, 
it ain't necessarily so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I do. Well, it's interesting because I, I think this is what you and I were, I was mentioning in, in one of my emails to you is that I've dated, and I don't know for certain, but I've dated a couple of guys who I'm pretty sure were eights. And it was a disaster because yeah. it, I felt like it was a power struggle and I was just always exhausted in the relationship. But I will say this. I also dated those people when I hadn't done like any work on myself. Mm, I highly doubt yeah. the people that I was in the relationship with had either. And right so now, you know, 20 years later, and especially after just what you said, you know, two people that are doing the work on themselves can absolutely make it work. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Possible. But I still don't I, need an eight. <laughs> right. I, I, I've thought about it, but I'm like, I, you know, I, 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 this, one of my commitments lately to myself has been that I'm not going to be interested in any romantic anything uh-huh. in which I'm in a power struggle. Mm. I want someone who, who really creates the space for me to let down those walls okay. where I don't have to put them up, where I don't have to be the strong one all the time. And there are people who have, who have been that. And I have found myself much more attracted to them. Whereas like a younger version of myself would have probably seen them as weak. Mm-hmm. I would have seen them as someone that I could take advantage of if I'm just being really, really honest. Yeah. Um, but the work that I've done has allowed me to actually see that when I'm, when I am vulnerable, I am really at my strongest, you know, that it's mm-hmm. not just a matter of, um, that I have to just be the strong, powerful one all the time. Like, no, it actually, um, creates, you know, a lot of, a lot of strength when I am vulnerable and people feel like they can be their full selves and actually be one of the, one of the superpowers of the eight is helping people step into their power mm-hmm. and empowering people to like be the biggest versions of themselves. And so when I actually show my vulnerability and my strength, then I actually allow other people to do the same. And for me, there's nothing better than that. Right. Yeah. But it took me a while to get there before I would just be like, oh, I can walk all over you. Now I'm like, oh, you actually are giving me the space to be who I am, who I am fully. Mm-hmm. And thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> and it is, a, it is a gift and it is really, really beautiful every time that can happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that so much partly because that's how I have built a business, like exactly how you, and I, I walked into vulnerability sort of on accident from a place of, (laughs) if I don't tell this story, I feel like I might die, you know, just dying inside. And I started a blog in 2008 and, and was sort of both mortified and exhilarated that people were not just reading it, but could relate and were emailing me and say, thank you for (laughs) telling me this story. You know, when I got sober, it was the same thing. And so I love everything that you just said. I want to ask you one one more question before we close up, and that is about conflict resolution and the Enneagram. So mm. I'm assuming now, based on what you've told us, those can go hand in hand, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I one of the things that I have. Um, so I in my prior life working in higher edu- education, I taught a lot of conflict resolution. And one of the ways that I taught it was through the lens of the Enneagram. One of the ways that I still teach it when I'm doing those trainings is through the lens of the Enneagram, because it's important for us to actually know when is this conflict? Because I feel like I need to protect myself. When is it just because we're totally different Mm -hmm. and we have these differences of opinions? 
And when is it be just because, you know, like we're not communicating the best? Mm-hmm. Like when is it also, when is it me just trying to make them wrong? Yes. That, well, yes. <laughs> that's that like is, the second one a, you said. Totally. Yeah. And that's totally like a human thing. Like we all do that at some point, right? Like just wanting to be right. Ugh, um, yeah. But the Enneagram gives us, you know, when we can actually start to look and see, okay, I, I feel like lashing out at you or having this, comp- sometimes eights, you know, as we, we, we just, we're not conflict avoidant <laughs> and sometimes conflict can be energizing for the eight. So other people are like, oh my God, why are we in conflict again? And they're like, what do you mean? It's just a conversation. A conflict. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I can't even tell you how many times I've said that to my husband. Like we're literally just talking <laughs> and they're like, um, that's not what this is. <laughs> it can be very much a blind spot for the eight that, okay. you know, a regular conversation to other people is conflict. But the Enneagram work gives us access to that. We Mm -hmm. can actually start to see, okay, I feel like I need some energy. So I'm starting a conflict. What can I do? Can I get in my body? Can I go work out? Um, I feel like this other person is going to try to take advantage of me in some way. So that's, you know, if if I recognize that, my my type's protection is going to come up full force Mm -hmm. and likely will contribute to the conflict. So when I actually can look inside and say, oh, okay, I'm, I need to protect myself in this way, or I feel like I need to protect myself in some way, like you can start to ask yourself, what's being threatened? Okay, like what do I need to protect? Do mm-hmm. I need to actually protect anything? Often the, the, the answer is no, but our type is just so used to protecting us in the way that it knows how that we just go with it. So we start to actually create more of an opportunity to observe ourselves and to see, okay, I'm, I'm just going into this full force, you know, Mm -hmm. and now, now actually know, okay, well, you said it in this way. Okay. This is just a miscommunication. It's just a a matter of semantics. You said something weird. I didn't understand it. I felt like I needed to protect myself. That's not what you meant. Okay. Yeah. But it's that Mm self-awareness that Mm -hmm. like, whoo, it just changes the game. Yeah. And that sounds like a lot of what emotional intelligence is as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, my dear. I could talk to you all day long. I appreciate this conversation so much. And so you're at jessicaddixon.com. Is that correct? Yes. Um, CK, not the X. X. Okay. And then the disrupt um, program that we talked about is also in the show notes. And do you want people to come and hang out with you on social media? Is there a particular platform you love to hang out on? Oh my gosh. I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook, you know, Jessica D. Dixon coaching. So come find me. Come find her and tell her what your type is and that you heard her on this show. And (laughs) I, um, I, I just, I'm, I'm still kind of in disbelief that, that I haven't had anybody on to talk about this because I I mentioned it every once in a while, but maybe I was just waiting for you to come along. (laughs) It sounds, that sounds very true. And I'm, I'm honestly honored and super excited. And I'd be a resident Enneagram expert. Yeah. If anyone has any questions, you know, I'm always down. Oh, thank you so much. And everyone listening, you know how much I appreciate you. And I'm so incredibly grateful for your time and that you choose to spend it with me and my guests. And until next time, everyone, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.